Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. Break my heart with what breaks yours. What a, what a sweet thing. What a sacred day it is today. Thank you, worship team. Got the old guys and the young people up here all at the same time. That's pretty groovy, ain't it? Because we're just one family. Doesn't matter what generation we are. I mean, there had to be one generation that was a little cooler than all the rest. <laughs> hey, they still listen to our music, amen? <laughs> Thanks, it's, it's, thank you, preacher, for having me. I love, uh, feel kind of a part of your church. Um, I don't have kidney stones this time, that's cool. It's a little rough. <laughs> um, what a day. Maybe the Holy Spirit take us back and kind of relive what this is all about. There were um, 12 men who were chosen to follow Christ. There were others who volunteered. The demoniac at Gadara, he wanted to follow Christ. But God chose his 12. And, uh, isn't that cool? He, he, he's chosen us to follow him in our time. Just like he chose them to follow him in their time. We're not called to be apostles, but we are called to be witnesses. We are called to know him. And those who follow Jesus, they used to hear a thing uh, over and over again. They'd be kind of doing, you know, a whole bunch of people getting healed or something crazy going on, walking on the water. You know, there was a lot of really awesome things that were happening. And then all of a sudden, Jesus would stop and he would just say this, Happened over and over again. Was it not written of me in the prophets saying, and right there in front of them, it was happening. Glove of prophecy, the ancient prophecies, hand of reality fulfilled in their eyes. This event we call Palm Sunday was one of them. It was one of the big ones. Jesus is it, towards the tail end of his public ministry, going down to the final week. They don't know that. He told them, we're going to Jerusalem, you'll all forsake me. No, we won't. Yes, you will. Peter said, they will, but I won't. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times? So they got a lot of drama happening. They're a little fearful about going to Jerusalem this time because last time they were there, they tried to kill Jesus. Thirteen times I found in the Gospel of John they're trying to kill Jesus. Gee, who do you think's behind that? Oh, Satan is a murderer from the beginning, the father of all lies, because he wants to keep him from going to the cross. And so they try to kill him. He claimed to be the son of God. Make yourself equal with God. And, and they picked up stones to take him out. But they just couldn't quite get those stones to fly from their hands. And Jesus would smile as he would walk through the midst of those dramas. And he'd smile and say, mine hour has not yet come. He was always in complete command of the situations. I see the disciples on many occasions trying to get Jesus to freak out with them. 
We got 5,000 people here. You've, been, you've kept them here all day. You had to heal all manner of sick. You had to do it one by one. You couldn't just do a mass healing and then go home and get something to eat. Now they're hungry. There's 5,000. We don't have anything to do. They're trying to get Jesus to freak out with them. He refuses. You ever try to get Jesus to freak out with you? He he's not going to. He said, we'll feed them. Oh, yeah, sure. And guess what? They fed them. He's got the whole world in his hands. He said, my hour has not yet come. Over and over again. But now his hour is coming. They're hoping he won't go to Jerusalem for Passover this year because last time we were there they tried to kill him and yet he's not, Jesus is not fear driven. He's going to Jerusalem. And um, they're coming up the backside of the Mount of Olives from the Jordan Valley. Up on the left-hand side is a little city of a little village of Bethany. He says, "Go to the disciples and get a uh, get a donkey to ride on." And they do. But this is no quinky dink. This is one of those. Was it not written of me saying 520 years ago the prophet Zechariah looks down through the quarter of time and he says this. Zechariah 9, 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. Kings are supposed to ride on stallions, pulled, uh, pulling uh, wonderful chariots of gold. And That's not our king. When you've created the whole world with the power of your voice, you don't need the gold. I mean, he's got the whole, it's all his anyway. Our king is humble. Our king didn't come to be served. He came to serve. This is weird. And that now, as we fast forward, 520 years, my Bible's open to the gospel of Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. They'd been following Jesus for three and a half years now. His hour is coming. Now, when they drew near, drew near Jerusalem, came to Bethpage or Bethany on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said, sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you. Immediately you'll find a donkey tied, a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately uh, he will send them. He had this whole thing set up. I don't think there's a lot of coinkydinks in our lives when we have committed to following him. I believe it's all gonna work together for good. It doesn't say it's all good. It says it will all work together for good in, in God's time. And they, they obey, they bring the donkey, and another gospel says, upon which no man had ever ridden, I'm a little bit of a farmer, homesteader. I grew up riding horses, and you don't want to ride a horse that's never been ridden. It's not broken. It could be a little bit of a wild ride. But Jesus says, hey, uh, just, get a, just get a colt, never been ridden, I, no problem. He's got this thing. Isn't that sweet? Just a little nugget in the scriptures. And that little, that little colt, man, that thing just obeyed Jesus because he was taking his master, his creator, for a ride. 
Jesus descends from the top of the Mount of Olives down that hill. My wife and I walked down that, that hill, uh, that same street, about eight days ago. Jesus was on a donkey. They're laying before him palm branches and garments that they would do for royalty for a king. And they're crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It looks as though it's a moment of glory for Jesus for which he so deserved and almost never got. But as I analyze what they're saying, some new things emerge in my minds and thoughts. You see, in the Old Testament, there's two pictures of Jesus. Very distinct and yet very different. I could show you pictures of me. 18 years old, long bleach blonde hair, posing up alongside uh, a police car, <laughs> ready to be frisked. <laughs> it's me. My BC days before Christ, it, it's me. Or you see a picture of me as, as, a, as a preacher, clothed in his right mind, sort of. <laughs> kind of, at the feet of Jesus. There are two pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. Picture number one. Uh, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The government shall be upon his shoulders. The conquering prince. Israel will be exalted among the nations. They'll no longer be an occupied territory. They'll no longer be under Roman tyranny. First they had fallen to the Babylonians who, and then taken over by the, the, the Persians and then the Greeks and now the Romans and they've had it up to here. Taxes are high, morale is low, unemployment is high. They're, we'll never get ahead. We need a messianic uh, leader to come and kick Roman butt and get him out of here. That's one picture of Jesus. There's another picture of Jesus. You see, they had two problems. Politics. Number, number two. But they had a worse problem than politics. They're sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And death and hell will be cast into the lake a fire where the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and their worm dieth not and fire is not quenched said Jesus he came on a mission to take care of their biggest problem in his first advent he'll take care of the secondary political problems in his second advent. First things first. And they don't really have all the pieces of the puzzle together. They've not yet connected all the dots. That's kind of how it is for us sometimes, isn't it? We've got some of the facts, but we're not always having everything connected. And when we don't have things connected, we have a tendency to be very fearful and, and, and full of doubt and, and, and anxiety. And Faith can fly out the window. But this is a big day. <laughs> they're, come, they're seeing Jesus get some glory. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're like, wow, Zechariah 9, 9, right in our face. 
And um, for many years, I, I missed this. The word Hosanna, I, I never really looked that up. Hosanna, what does that mean? Uh, yippee for Jesus. Hosanna, you're like awesome. Hosanna, you must increase, I must decrease. It's all about you. Hooray for Jesus. Hosanna. That's not what it means. I looked it up. It means save us now. In grammatic and grammar, it's an imperative. They're sort of commanding Jesus to do something. I would suggest we don't ever command God to do anything. <laughs> I think he's the commander, not, not me. Save us now, Hosanna! You see, they, they were focused on the conquering prince, Messiah. And that's exactly what he will do when he returns. And all Israel shall be saved, Romans uh, 11. He's not done with Israel yet. That's a whole other set of sermons. First things first. Save us now. He goes into the city, cleanses the temple, comes back day to day, and they're getting angrier and angrier at him, the leaders, because the Romans are scared, the Jews hate him. And then his followers hear him say something they really don't want to hear. When he says later that week, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Wait a, wait a minute. No, that, that no. Do you want to take that back, Jesus? We got a Messiah that's coming. If you're the Messiah, we ain't rendering under, under, under Caesar anything. We've had it up to here with Caesar. You're our man, down with Rome, kick their butts, drive them out of town, lead an insurrection. We're here to follow you if you take care of the Roman situation. They were looking at the wrong picture. And they were commanding him to do something that he's going to do in his time. It's his time now to take care of their biggest problem. And they're disconnecting. Huge crowd. Hosanna to the son of David. Bless you. Comes in the name of the Lord. Five days later, an, or, another crowd. Six days later, another crowd. There had to be a lot of the same people in both crowds. They're at Pilate's judgment seat now what do they cry out at the end of the week crucify him he's not the one we were looking for do you hear what he said in the temple render unto caesar we've rendered unto caesar enough we've had it up to here with caesar he's not our man what shall i do with him pilate knew he was innocent I'll, worry, I'll, I'll, I'll set him free. I'll, I'll let him loose. No! Crucify him. Give unto us Barabbas. Be careful what you ask for. And so, the night comes, as the preacher said, and for time's sake, I'm going to just tell the stories. They'll look up all the verses. It's the Passover. 
This is their Christmas, Easter, birthday, everything all wrapped up in the Passover. All the way back to Moses and the Exodus. And, the pa- and this is huge for them. It's so meaningful. And there's drama. Is, will Jesus be arrested? If, if they arrest him, will he surrender? Will he escape? Will, will we be arrested as well? Will they kill him? Will they kill us? The drama is intense. And he blows their minds that night. They take the, the elements as they had their whole life. But he said, as a, as a preacher quoted earlier, this, this is my body. Wait a minute, this is bread. This, this is my, what are you talking, what? They don't argue with him. They just don't get it. This is my body, which is broken for you. They're looking at each other like, okay. And then he takes the cup. This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. As often as you drink this, you do show my death. Blood, uh, death, okay, and they sing a hymn, and they go to Gethsemane. Meanwhile, Judas is out, you know, conspiring, bringing this, Jesus, Judas knew where Jesus would go. Jesus would, had a routine. He knew where he, where he was going, and he takes this, and they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus tells the disciples, watch and pray. And they see Jesus go over and bow and pray in agony. It says in Luke's gospel, he prayed in such agony, his sweat were as great sweat drops of blood. The human drama intensity was so great that the capillaries in the forehead, the smallest of all blood vessels, bursts. And mingles with his sweat as he's praying, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, thine be done. And the disciples are watching and they're like, what? Is he okay? This is a little different. This is kind of crazy. What's going on? He holds up a cup they cannot see. And what, what up with the cup? Let this cup pass from me. And, and then... Their worst nightmare becomes a reality. They can hear the footprints or the foot stomps of soldiers coming. Oh, man, they can't believe this. Is this a dream? He was in control of every situation. Walked through it, and they're coming, man, and Judas is leading them. He's the betrayer. They come to the garden. Jesus, you know, Jesus doesn't flee. The disciples, do we try to grab him and run? Do we, do we hide? What? And Jesus just stands there. Peter goes into action, grabs a sword, whops off Malchus's ear. I have in the notes of my Bible, I bet he was not aiming for his ear. <laughs> Remember what Jesus did to Malchus's ear? Healed him on the spot. Don't you think there was some blood on the shoulder even after it was healed? And then Malchus arrests Jesus. Just been healed by the one he arrested. I think Malchus got saved. I, he reports back uh, to uh, uh, Caiaphas. What's that blood on your shoulder? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. They arrest Jesus. In the garden. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Put your sword back in the sheath. For if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. 
And then Jesus says this. Can you imagine the drama here? You got maybe 100 soldiers. You got shields and swords and helmets and brass. You have weapons and knives. You have bewildered apostles. You got Malchus is healed. And, and the Bible says that when they came to arrest Jesus in John's gospel, they all fell back as dead men. It's kind of like Jesus had to raise them from the dead so that they could arrest them. He's in, just a reminder, he's got this thing. And then he, there's the, the, the violence. Remember out on the playground, his kids, fight, fight, fight. All of a sudden, 700 kids are, we're in the garden, man. It's crazy. It's dramatic. There's blood. And there's healing. Jesus calms the storm. Peter, put your sword away. I don't need your violence. I got this. And Jesus says this. The cup that my father has given me, shall I not drink it? What is he talking about? The cup that he holds up, a cup they cannot see? Is he talking about the Passover cup? That was hours ago. Remember in the garden he talked about, let this cup pass from me. I didn't see any cup then. I don't see any cup now. What's he talking about? Jesus calms the situation and says, the cup that the Father has given me shall not drink it. Think of your situations, your bad reports from the hospital, from the doctor's reports, from the lab. You think about the unforeseen financial things that came to you that you weren't prepared for and don't know how. You just think of the waywardness of some people you love that aren't ready for the Lord to return and your heart breaks. Just think about your stuff. And Jesus will come to you and I just like he came to them in the midnight hour, when it looks like all is lost. There's no hope. He disagrees with us. He said, it's cool. The cup that my father has given me, shall I not drink it? It's going to be okay. I'm going to drink the cup. They have no clue. But me and preacher, we, we, we know, Dave, we know what he's talking about, don't we? We cheated and read the book of Revelation. It's talking about the cup of the wrath of God against the sins of the world. Every filthy sin that Judas did. Peter's violence. Peter's denial. Adam's and Eve's sins. David's adultery and his murder. My drug dealing and all the filth, I, filthy language I put in the cup. Every, every one of us here put stuff in that cup. He said, it's cool. I'll drink the cup. They have no clue. They're going to find out. Jesus takes a sip of the cup. They arrest him. They, they're violent. Somebody smacks him in the face. A little bit of blood comes to his lips. And they punch him. And there's blood and the blood on his forehead. And they arrest him. And they take him away. 
and they played him with a crown of thorns and there's more blood and they whip his back with a Roman catanite. They shred his body. Blood everywhere. They nail him to a cross as he takes another sip, another sip. He's on the cross and he's shedding his blood. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. His, his righteousness for, for our sin, the great exchange, uh, the, the innocent dying for the guilty. He drinks the cup. And the wrath of the Holy God is poured out on him. So you and I can go free. He gives unto us eternal redemption, the forgiveness of every sin, and gives us eternal life. Gives us a free ticket to go to heaven. Get a new body. And the older I get, the more I like that new body idea. <laughs> Type 2 diabetics here besides me? I'm thinking ice cream, baby. <laughs> yeah. And a grand reunion. I miss my dad. It's been 10 years. I got a grandson, Caleb Michael, in heaven. Can't wait to bounce that kid on my knee. Tell him how much Papa loves him. He's got a better life than he would have had here, but we miss him. We're going to be together again. Jesus holds up a cup we cannot see and says, uh, it's cool. I'll drink the cup. And the wrath of God was poured out upon him. And he suffered. His body was marred more than any man. Isaiah 52. And he yielded up the ghost. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the Holy Father could not look upon sin and turn his back on his own son. And the Holy Trinity is split as Christ descends into hell. Thou will not suffer thy Holy One to see corruption, neither leave his soul in hell. But on the morning of the third day, that's next week, come back. There's some good news waiting, preacher. One more verse. Mark's Gospel, 10.38. Mark 10.38. This is before they're finding out about the fullness of this cup thing. They're asking Jesus about how it can be in heaven, you know, special privileges and all that business. And he says... Verse 37, Mark 10, 37, they say to him, grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand, one on your left hand in, in your glory. And, you know, just the desire to be close to him, that's cool. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And there's, they said to him, yep, we're, we're able, yep, yep. They, they don't get it. But this is, this is key here. Is there something in your heart that makes you just want to bring glory to Jesus? That the Father could look upon you and smile. That we please him. After what he's done for us, beyond our comprehension. 
But as we comprehend, isn't there just something inside of us that makes us want to bring him glory, to say thank you, to show our love and adoration and appreciation for his unspeakable gift. They said, and we're able, Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. Jesus drinks the cup of suffering for the sins of the world. You and I can't drink the cup for the sins of the world, but Jesus kind of gives us all a cup. Do you see that in the text? You, you, you drink of the cup that I give you. The Father gave him a cup and he drank it. And now he gives us a cup of suffering. Yea, all who will of godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It is given us on the behalf of Christ not only to believe in his name, but to suffer for his name's sake. Blessed are ye when all men shall revile you and speak evil against you falsely. Blessed are ye. He's given us a cup of suffering. I, I don't feel I've suffered much at all. I've had kidney stones and appendix burst. I've had some physical suffering. What's that? We had an associate pastor. I closed with this story. George Wareskla was my associate for many years. He's with the Lord now. George was an old hippie man, biker. You should see his Harley Davidson chopper. I lust for that motorcycle. I hope God brings that back in the millennial kingdom. I'm riding that baby. Sweet. George was type 1 diabetic, abused himself hor horribly during the drug culture back in the 60s and 70s. He got saved by the blood of the lamb, called to preach, was our associate pastor for many years. George suffered all of the horrific uh, effects of advancing diabetes. He uh, neuropathy and in his toes, he lost his toes, he lost his foot, he lost his leg, uh, one just below the knee, one just above the knee, he's in a wheelchair, he goes blind, he lost his fingertips. He used to tell the kids he's going to heaven on the installment plan. <laughs> like the coolest guy ever. I went up to the hospital to see George, he's dying. I went in and saw my bro that I love with all of my heart. I was so crushed by his physical condition, the pity that was filling my heart and my eyes and my face. He saw me, and sweetly, in Jesus' name, he rebuked me. He said, Pastor, he goes, I know you love me with all your heart, and I love you too. He said, don't you dare come here and feel sorry for me. And I'll never forget, he said, this is the cup that the Father has given me. Shall I not drink it? I said, dude, I'm out of here. I left. Went to the door, got on my knees, and asked right in front of him. I raised my hand and said, God, forgive me for being a complete jerk. You are on the throne. You're an awesome guy. Thanks for my brother, George. I come back in the room. Dude, what's up? What's happening, man? He said, I'm grooving, man. I got Jesus. I got it all. He said, when I'm suffering, it's a gift from God. 
I compare my suffering with his, mine's nothing. He said, I never feel closer to God than when I'm suffering physically. This is the cup that the Father has given me. Shall I not drink it? Amen. We're talking big leagues Christianity. We're talking Jesus drinking the cup then. We're talking about Jesus giving us grace to drink the cup that he has given us now. Why complain about the problem? Rejoice in the opportunity. You got a chance to grow in grace. Take hold of responsibility. The reward is worth the suffering. There's glory some sweet day. Praise God for the problems in our way, in our cup. I think one of the greatest sins of the North American church is apathy and murmuring and complaining. We are so comfortable. Let one little thing go wrong and we lose it. We complain. We Remember what happened to Israel complaining in the wilderness? You want to do more laps in the wilderness? Stop complaining, start praising. Amen. There's tough stuff in the cup. But what's in my cup is sweet compared to what's in Jesus' cup. Aren't you glad he drank the cup for you? Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cup. There's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. Must Jesus drink the cup alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cup for everyone. There's a cup for me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I don't know what's in your cup. I know this is bad English, but it ain't nothing compared to what was in Jesus' cup. The Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Could you right now thank the Lord Jesus that your cup is easier than his? Could you thank him right now for the tough stuff in your cup? Can you thank him right now for drinking the cup and all the filthy, tough stuff we put in his cup? Can we just kind of vow in our hearts, Lord, we don't want to be wimpy, last days, pathetic, self-indulgent Christians? We want to have our eyes on you. We want to have our hands on, your, on the plow. We, we don't want to be looking back. We don't want to be complaining about the days growing darker. We, we want to be rejoicing in Jesus, our light. We read the back of the book. We win, Lord. Help us to just stand in our day, in our time. Something happened in your heart today with heads bowed. I'm going to do a final prayer. Anybody say, Pastor Duke? I've not yet connected the dots, but today it's coming together. I, I've never, I don't remember ever asking Christ to forgive me my sins, come into my heart and saving me. I've never had a life change, anything like that. But boy, I so need it, and today I'm ready. I want to let go and let God. Please lead me in a prayer of salvation. Please lead me in a prayer of complete commitment to Jesus. Anybody, I've not done that, but I'm so ready. Would you raise your hand all over the house? I'll lead you in that prayer. Anybody, I've not, I don't see any hands. Christian, I'm not going to ask hands for you, but to see you, does the Father look down and see you drinking your cup with joy like George did?
bringing him honor and glory. Are we a little bit wimpy? We're a little bit selfish, a little bit self-indulgent, a little bit murmury, complainy, whiny. Please stop that. That stinks. That, that embarrasses God. It drives people away. People don't want to be around that. Father, help us to drink our cup like Christ drank his. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.